APU. American Public University is proud to present Intellectable. Welcome to the podcast, Intellectable. I'm your host, Dr. Gary Deal. Today, we're talking about the automation of transportation and logistics. My guest today is Dr. Larry Parker. Larry currently serves as the Program Director of Transportation and Logistics Management and Supply Chain Management with the School of Business at American Public University System. In this position, Dr. Parker leads a phenomenal team of faculty in the delivery of world-class instruction of logistics and supply chain management. An experienced educator, Dr. Parker also served 24 years in the United States Marine Corps as a supply officer, coordinating logistics around the world. Dr. Parker holds a PhD in organization and management from Capella University, a master's in business administration from Liberty University, and a BA in history from Wittenberg University. Larry, welcome to Intellectable, and thank you for being our guest today. Gary, I, I appreciate it. Thank you. And I appreciate all the little background there. I'm excited to be here. I'm, really, this is my topic that I enjoy talking about. Absolutely. We appreciate it. And let me start off by saying, you know, thank you for your service. We appreciate your contribution to, uh, to the military and to our country. Thank you for saying So we're here today to talk about automation and transportation and logistics. And I think this is a pertinent topic, both in general, but also specifically now in the age of COVID and everything that's happening with that. So I wanted to touch base with you on this because it's something I've been talking about for years in different contexts. My background is hospitality and hotels and tourism and travel. But I, I see the transportation industry as perhaps being the most dramatically affected over the next 5, 10, 20 years, depending on how long the time frame for transition takes, to a driverless, conductorless, pilotless, operatorless system of moving people and goods from place to place. Are you seeing that as well? Do you think that this is something that the transportation logistics industry needs to be as worried about as, as I think they do? You actually hit right on it. I mean, this is something that really needs to be at the forefront of most leaders of organizations. And that's speaking beyond just those that are primarily logistics organizations. When people think logistics, they think just you know, the big names in the industry. But because we have global economy, transportation is important to everyone. And, and this really affected everyone, every industry. Absolutely. And to me, it's most apparent in transportation and logistics only because there are so many people working there. And, and yes. when I walk into a, you know, for example, to a Walmart or a Target and I see, you know, it seems like week after week, month after month, another traditional checkout counter has been replaced with an automated kiosk. And I say to myself, you know, this is the end of the retail environment as we used to know it or the beginning of the end. But in transportation and logistics, I follow closely what's happening with technological advances and for example, on the road, I mean, I guess we could start there. I, I know that you've been involved outside of academics and trucking logistics, and I happen to own a Tesla that has Tesla's autopilot system equipped. So I'm, I'm pretty familiar with what the bleeding edge is there and the horizon for that, according to experts like Elon Musk, who you know sort of has his entire company devoted to this effort, seems to be that we're looking at sooner rather than later, an entirely driverless environment on the road that would ostensibly be available not just to consumer vehicles, but to transportation and logistics vehicles, trucks and, and rigs of all kinds. You hit right on it. I got personally into the industry about five years ago and started my company and quickly learned that the most critical component was the driver. 
the most difficult thing to get for any company was a driver. And the unfortunate thing is finding individuals that were qualified, capable of driving and, and sustaining that, that was the, the driver. And so now as, as this technology has come on, you know, as we said, global economy, there's no shortage in, in need, but the one component that is in greatest shortage is drivers. And so this automation is right on time in trying to meet that demand. And the funny thing is that as much as everyone was trying to push it before, and I can't say funny, I, say, I will say it's because of the pandemic, people just see the need now. So automation right there in itself is showing that it can solve that problem that we're having. You have a shortage of drivers and that might succumb to something as much as a illness like this and uh, um, some of the other issues that you have with it. So, yeah, this is um, this is something that I've been watching. Yeah, I think there's there's long been a motive for corporations and, and companies to transition wherever possible to automation for the reasons of sort of better, faster, cheaper where possible. And mm -hmm. I think in automation and logistics, you could also start to make an argument today about being safer in the sense that, um, you know, I just read an article the other day that said that the rate of vehicle crashes per so many miles in Tesla's while operating on autopilot, um, and this is of course just in their consumer fleet, they don't, as far as I know, have any of their commercial rigs that they're building out in circulation just yet, but that the rate of car crashes or incidents of collisions of, of any kind is roughly 10 times lower or 10% or that of the rate of collisions among the average population where just a human is behind the wheel. And so I can certainly attest to the fact that the autopilot in a Tesla is not perfect yet. That's been my personal experience, but I can also attest to the fact that in many regards, it is better, faster, and safer than a human being because it's never distracted by a text message or reading the newspaper, or doing any other thing while in a car that you shouldn't be doing while you're behind the wheel. And um, electrical circuits are so much faster than biological ones that the reaction time itself to you know an instance of something running out in the road or a car cutting you off is dramatically different in a better way. It's, it's better than, than the human reaction time could ever hope to be, even in the best circumstances. So I think that that was always a factor, but now, of course, as you pointed out with, with COVID, there's a new component to that, which is that we're trying to keep people safe from exposure to each other. Frankly, we don't know who has it and who doesn't. And so everyone's practicing or trying to practice social distancing. And any humans that you can remove from the stream of commerce to get things from place to place, I think is in an effort or could be sold in a way in an effort to, uh, to try to limit that potential exposure. Hey, that's a great question, Gary. You know, as I start to think about the impact of automation and the benefits of it, as this pandemic has taken hold, it truly is the, I guess, the, the critical nature of removing the human element out of transportation from just the trucking aspect. The driver is the most critical component. And when you can increase the efficiency or the safety of the operation of the vehicles and keep them rolling, when drivers are, are no longer available or in short supply, that is truly the benefit of automation moving forward. And I can tell that a, a number of individuals in, in leadership of organizations, not just transportation specific organizations, 
but organizations as a whole are now seeing the value in automation and where they may not have been believers or supporters before, COVID has truly opened their eyes for it to be something that they're interested in now. Absolutely. I, I think that that's fair across all industries as well. As I mentioned earlier, you're seeing it a lot in retail and um, even in hospitality, my primary focus and discipline where you have hotels and theme parks and restaurants that are finding creative new ways to automate and um, to eliminate people in the chain. Again, you know, with the express intent of trying to, at least in this time of a global pandemic, limit the exposure of people to people. It also, of course, has the ancillary effect, unfortunately, of creating what I think is, is quickly culminating in an economic crisis where a lot of these positions I don't think will return. That was already happening before COVID, but now the acceleration to that I don't think there's any reason to think that these jobs will come back after the COVID pandemic has subsided. I, I agree. That's a great assessment. From our perspective in the industry, what we're seeing in supply chain, and slightly different in logistics, logistics at a lower level, at supply chain, when you're looking at across how things are being delivered, COVID has caused leaders to look at where the weakness is. And the weakness right now is, unfortunately, that human aspect of it. And so we're going to automate, we're going to um, bring in robotics. And because individuals were taken away from their job, it gave the industry an opportunity to hit pause and say, now is the time to invest in it. And you're absolutely correct. After investing in any kind of automation or any kind of application, the next thing is to have a trained workforce, someone who's going to be able to do that. And it only makes cost benefit to reduce workforce. That, that's the only reason we're automating. We automate in order to save labor and increase efficiency somewhere. So that's a spot on assessment. That is something that we're seeing in the industry and we can expect. I think it's important to note that obviously this extends far beyond trucking too, because we, we've been focusing on sort of the proverbial roadway, but robotics as used in warehousing and distribution, I've seen in-depth sort of exposés into the Amazon distribution centers or fulfillment centers and how they have, I'm not sure what else to call them other than robo-shelving units that sort of line up and when something is ordered, they make their way to the front of the warehouse where the people awaiting can pick parts and or products off. And so there's less time in transit walking up and down the shelves of a huge warehouse to find what you need and to put it in a box. And that to me just says, okay, you know, doing doing more with less people. And uh, I think that's going to be a big component of it too. Would you agree? Absolutely, Gary. We have moved away from just doing trucking or being concerned with automation and where it's affecting or where it can actually benefit the logistics industry. In warehousing, as, as you were alluding to, it's scalable from the very first level of things that can assist pickers, individuals who are actually going through the warehouse. There's robots who just can assist with moving things around. And then there's a full level robotics where they actually go and pick. And if I could, there's another layer that's been tossed on of wearables, things that the actual individuals who are in the warehouse if it's complicated, difficult, or things need to be put together or packed in a certain way that robotics doesn't lend itself, 
or it's not cost effective for the company. Just imagine a virtual headset, something that has an overlay to the warehouse, and it shows the most efficient way to pick depending on the order. So now you're eliminating a lot of wasted steps, a lot of wasted efforts. And so that's just an indication of, of what you just said. There's a lot of solutions that are out there that are on the horizon to make individuals more efficient, but to draw it back to an earlier discussion that we just had, likely reduce the workforce or need the workforce to be more comfortable with working with technology. Definitely, and I hadn't considered all the different ways that that might uh, reveal itself in the industry. I guess sort of the elephant in the room, and we, we touched on this a moment ago for a minute, is with respect to the economic impact for workers, what does that future look like for people currently employed in transportation and logistics and, and perhaps even in you know warehouse and distribution of, um, of goods? Is there a light at the end of the time? Is there a hope for some type of retraining? It would seem to me, uh, looking from the outside in, that the jobs that will be required in the future as it pertains to this are so technical in nature when it comes to the design, development, um, manufacture of these machines that will do most of this manual labor for us that is it reasonable or realistic to expect that the transportation and logistics workers, which I believe more people around the world are employed in that industry collectively than in any other, that there's a, a reasonable hope that they will be able to retool to maintain some sense of livelihood and ability to earn an income? Great point. As automation starts to take hold and we see the benefit because as supply chain management overlooks the entire realm of logistics or the uh, span of moving products from one place to another, it's the human element that we see in different places. And so we recognize that individuals will have to be trained, will have to be comfortable with utilizing these tools. So that is going to require them to go back and become uh, subject matter experts or, or learn how to work along and coexist. There are certain things we can't get away from. For example, port masters or individuals that are working on the docks, there's certain things that it's hard to predict within a sense of automation or artificial intelligence. The, the movement of the seas and the, and the actual on the ground movement, that will require someone to be there. The actual movement of the trucks there is a human and there is a real world element to that. And for a while there, there will still need to be people who are familiar with the real impacts, depending on the level of automation that's brought in. The individuals that are closest to the um, products may have some of the, um, the greatest impact because once robotics comes in, once certain other things come in, yeah, it, it will be a reduction in personnel. And then the engineering, the individuals who are higher in management, those individuals may likely increase slightly because you need someone to be able to decipher, be able to tell the real world impacts, the analytics that come from it. So that's my feeling on, on the, um, the job or the employment aspect. Perfect. We've been speaking with Dr. Larry Parker about the uh, future of automation in transportation and logistics, and we'll be right back after a short break. 
technology has created huge job growth in the fields of supply chain management and reverse logistics. With a degree from American Public University, you'll have the knowledge you need to help your company expand and to help improve its profits. Take the first step to prepare for a career in transportation and logistics management. Apply today at study at APU.com. And we're back. We're speaking with Dr. Larry Parker today about the future of automation in transportation and logistics. And when we left off, we were talking about the future of transportation workers specifically and what kind of jobs will be available in that industry. I recognize there will certainly be a technical need for maintenance of equipment and of of general technical work in the field, whether that's production of machines that perform the work or maintenance of machines that perform the work. I think it's also interesting to note the advances in technology, and I think you had alluded to this earlier, Larry, is, for example, with electric motors, to the extent that they can be built in a way that is comparable and, and makes them competitive with the traditional use of like a diesel engine for either a, a ship or a truck going down the road, the lack of moving parts and the lack of complexity to say like a brushless electric motor would dictate that there would be far less maintenance on the, those components than what currently exists. Some of these are anticipated to be sort of million mile motors with virtually no need for any kind of intervention or or maintenance. So I think even in the technical world, I'm curious to know if you would agree that there's probably going to be a reduction in that labor force just based on the fact that the technology will get more reliable and less complex over time. I would agree with that. And, you know, as we mentioned, um, I'm actually on a company in this um, realm and it made me think about it. Some of my major costs were call-outs, you know, call-outs for repairs, you know, and I thought about the type of repairs, you know, transmissions, other things that, that you mentioned that, that would not likely be an issue with the advancements that we have. But then I thought about it. Should there be a technical issue? Just like we said in the testing, there's an engineer and a driver that's in the vehicle what does the call-out truck look like in the future? Is that an engineer that's on call for as long as there's still tires that are susceptible to being flat? Because that actually had those issues. Beyond that, is there a diagnostic reset that that individual can do on the ground? And is that totally different equipment set? And does he call back to someone? So that is very interesting. I, I, I can agree with you, certain tools won't be required And it may not be that same old tow truck or something that's needed now. Absolutely. We've spent a lot of time focusing on trucking and sort of over-the-road transportation in this episode so far. Do you think it's just as likely to see that for, I think trains is a given, if I can, because I know that a lot of that already operates in a a very automated way, not necessarily with freight trains. They're, They're still a conductor, so to speak, but with some forms of people moving transportation that don't require, you know, the intervention of someone. I, I know here at the Orlando airport near where I live in central Florida, there are like trams and, and terminal monorails that run to and from the terminals and there's no driver. They're just a, an automated system that goes back and forth. So I think given that these trains and trams run on a track that doesn't require you know navigation of road signals or turns and twists and there's no there's very little worry about obstructions or pedestrians walking out in front of you you know on an elevated train track at least then those are fairly simple but how about ships and planes do we think that at sea there will be the same sort of automation that is already taking place on land yes and you know to be 
quite frank, actually, the adoption of a great bit of automation is, it depends on the level of comfort that humans have with giving up control. And you, you spoke on it when you said at airports and there are certain rails and things that are controlled and closed systems. And a lot of that have, has come from individuals being okay. They can accept it. I think um, people would be surprised to see how much of their flights is actually on autopilot. And I had friends in the industry that said, um, until people can get comfortable with turning over control, there will always be someone sitting in that seat because really once they take off and they get on their designated routes, it's really just monitoring systems and a great deal of the flight is being handled by that automated system. And they've already tested it, you know, taking off and landing some of the larger planes in the same way with shipping. And to be quite frank, when it gets back to transportation and logistics, we've actually gotten approval within the industry to see package delivery, and that's being tested. So just as we, we know in trucking, and there was a little buzz there for a little bit about receiving certain um, packages from industry, that's actually been approved and it's actually being tested. So just out in Arizona, there's testing of the trucking. Out here in Virginia, there's testing of packages being delivered, and that's being tested this year. And that just coincides with how things are going with the virus. You know, the timing is now to not have to utilize people for those things. Absolutely. And, and I think you bring up a good point, and that is the adoption rate of consumers and, and users of this technology. I think in a lot of the chain of logistics and, and transportation, some of that may be a moot point because, of course, your average person isn't necessarily involved with the B to C or even A to B transportation for businesses. That's all just kind of in the supply chain. But you're right in that technology needs to be adopted in mass by the users, whoever they are. And I think about when I invite people into my Tesla and we go places, you know, whether we're just driving down the road or whatnot, if autopilot is on and they've never been exposed to that, there's almost invariably a reaction of nervousness, of uncertainty, even despite my reassurances that, you know, I'm familiar with the system, I know what it's capable of and, and we're fine, you know, as long as you're operating it safely, there's this little bit of apprehension that comes from that. And I think you pointed out earlier, same is true with the idea that airplanes are flying themselves and that there's no one behind the, the quote unquote wheel, so to speak. But I think now the, the catalyst that's interesting is that these businesses no longer need to lean on the sole motive that they're doing this to reduce their, their overhead expenses and to increase their profitability. But now there's the excuse that, you know, we're moving in this direction so rapidly and so drastically because we're trying to keep people safe in the COVID era. And um, I wonder how that's going to play out in terms of people understanding this change to a new technology, whether it's, I mean, you could look at Target and Walmart and where these automated kiosks are going in, which is it's not so much transportation and logistics, but it's at the very end, obviously, of the supply chain. And I wonder if that's going to have an effect on the empathy that customers have, that the general public has toward you know these transitions saying, okay, well, I may not be super comfortable with the technology. It may not be my first choice, but I understand why we're going in this direction because of public safety, essentially. You know, you raise an interesting um, point and really we could have a, a completely separate conversation just on the emotional or social aspect of replacing individuals for the sake of cost. Because unfortunately, we could probably point out a number of situations that 
if it were not for costs, certain jobs would still exist. There were certain um, industries may still be in existence, but ultimately, for the sake of cost, reduce cost, because um, consumers eventually just want to pay the company that's going to provide them the product that they want at the best price. And if by way of automation, it's happening, sometimes they look past that. You hit right on it. Using our old business sense, one of the most expensive things in any kind of business typically is labor. And one of the fastest ways to improve a bottom line is to reduce labor. And that's an uncomfortable thing. No one wants to hear about reducing jobs. And this pandemic caused both a safety issue and a labor issue. And it gave a real world, I won't say that they utilize it as an excuse, but it was a real world reason to reduce force, reduce structure, or at least cause structure to leave. And because the impact it had on it economically, they said, okay, we can't sustain it as, as is. And now this is all the reason why we need to speed up automation and move to something else. Sure. Well, speaking of the speed of automation, I, I know that it's difficult to gauge because a lot of this is conditioned upon not just development of technologies that may not be in existence or perfected at the moment we're having this conversation, but also on the mass market availability of those eventual technologies and the, the affordability to where they make sense for businesses to in, invest their capital and, and time in making the switch to. So uh, I guess if I had one point of curiosity from your perspective on the industry as someone who follows this as a professional career, what do you think that timeline horizon looks like to a future where all of our big rigs and all of our airplanes and all of our ships at sea are operated with the same comfortable automation that we, you know, as we walk through an automatic door, we don't worry about it crushing us to death. Are we decades away? Are we years away? You know, actually, many would say we're a decade away. Again, going back to you and I being fans of automation in this way, we see that the different levels of automation are, are improving each year. But many would say 10 years, most in the industry say 10 years. There's a smaller component that says five years because we're really on the cusp of some of the other technology. But really accepting it, I think because of this pandemic and there is such a, a greater push from everyone to do things safer, and more cost-effective, I would say we're probably in that, that mid-range of five years, three to five years, where, where we're really getting that, that bow wave, that, that area that you need to be when something is totally accepted in a uh, consumer base. We are closer because of the pandemic. People will understand it. Organizations are willing to invest in it. And we see how within a matter of two to three months, there's a total culture shift in how you go into stores now and things. That's the type of thing that needs to happen. Yeah, and I think to be fair, there probably will be stages of this. I, I had read articles previously that had discussed how, with respect to going back to trucking, the first, the initial stage might be to have auto trucks handling the highway routes, the main halls, and then that these trucks would... Um, 
stop and, and sort of dock somewhere at, at a parking station at the end of their journey, you know, off an exit somewhere, whether that's a, a highway rest stop or wherever. And the drivers would then step inside the cab and take the truck from its highway route to the final destination through the service roads that are more difficult to navigate and less precise because most of our highways are obviously clearly marked and fairly well maintained and there's on ramps and off ramps to keep things moving there's no red lights there's no stop signs there's rarely people crossing a highway on foot so those obstacles or those challenges are, are largely eliminated on the highways but the service roads are what are more complicated so I've, I've seen proposals that perhaps a middle ground or a stepping stone to full automation will be uh, highway auto trucking and then some version of man driving you know on that last little bit both out of the point of origin and into the point of destination. And that's a, a good assessment of what's likely to be most accepted by the general public. And if you think about it, take a step back, doesn't that similar approach or at least it simulates or replicates the air example? You know, the pilots, they get it off the ground. And as my colleague once said, people want to see a pilot in the seat for the takeoff and for the landing. And for whatever reason, they seem to, to feel once they're in that open space and like you, you alluded, the highway, if you will, with, with less encumbrances, they're okay with it for now. And so I can see why that was such a more palatable scenario for automated trucks, hey, traveling either at a time at night as well that is less busy until they just get to a point where there's percentages. There may be a slide, a scale of so many shipments per day can go automated trucks for that last mile at some point. And so that would be that final transition, I, I believe. But I think the air is an example of those that will um, need to see it, you know, down the road. Sure. Any, uh, any closing thoughts before we wrap up, Larry? Well, you know, the one thing I w would say is um, this is an exciting time. We can learn a lot from the changes that we've had to make due to the pandemic and the economic situations here. The challenges that we see now, um, I know a number of people see getting online, getting not enough bandwidth. These are the things that now as we're moving into a more automated, data-driven world, those are some of the challenges we'll see in the future. So I say just stand by. These are exciting times. The you know logistics is one of the last industries to really take advantage of this, but we're really going to see some excitement inciting things um, during this time. Perfect. Well, I want to thank you for sharing your expertise and perspectives on these topics. And thanks for joining me today for this episode of Intellectable. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Thank you. Perfect. And I also want to thank our listeners for joining us. You can learn more about these topics by visiting the various APUS sponsored blogs that our university produces. Be well and stay safe, everyone. For more information about our university, visit us at studyatapu.com. APU, American Public University.